Hey there, and welcome to the Scattered Saints podcast. My name is Josh, and we are joined by our online pastor, DeAndre. Come on, and hey guys, we're going to be listening to an excellent, excellent um, message by Pastor Brett here called Reboot. It's all about worship and how we can do that successfully. It's so good. That's right. So get ready, turn up your volume, and enjoy this message from Pastor Brett. Hey, so good to see you. Thanks for being here with us today. Today, we're going to jump into the scriptures. This is the Bible. We are people who follow Jesus one step at a time. And we believe that this book, this word is inspired by God and is here to teach us, guide us, uh, lead us forward in our lives. We're looking in the book of Joshua. This is Joshua 24. Let's just, let's just jump right in, you know? Let's not wait. Let's just jump right in. I hope you've got a Bible with you, a hard copy. You can use the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, and all the little check-in points, the references it's called, is going to show up here so you know where to go. And we can take this journey together. This is Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. So it says, uh, So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly, Put away forever the idols your ancestors worship when they live beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. And we look at verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And the New King James Version, which I grew up on, it says, but as for me and my house, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. So this is a moment where Joshua... Is he's leading the whole nation, the nation of Israel, millions of people, and he's gathering them all at a special spot. He's saying, hey, we're all going to come together. We can think of him as, as Grandpa Joshua, okay? He's at the end of his life, and he wants to make sure that the kids are all right. He wants to make sure that they're going to make the right choices. They've been through battles. They, they've seen the promises of God fulfilled. But there's something about human nature that when things get good, when things get great, that we get kind of, mm, we kind of start taking credit for all the good things in our lives. It's just the nature of humanity. So Joshua now understands that, hey, we've had some good years. We've seen God come through miracle after miracle after miracle. And as his kind of parting words. These are part of his parting words. He, he wants to just remind people about what's up. And he says, I want you to worship God with your whole heart. Serve the Lord with your whole heart, not part of it with, with all of it. And he, and, he, and he references two things in specifically. He references the gods in Egypt. That was where they came from. And the gods of the Amorites, which are right where they are right now. So you could, uh, you could almost go as far as to say that what Joshua is saying, listen, you have a choice right now. You can either father, uh, follow God, you can follow Jesus one step at a time, you can follow him into your future, into the plans, purposes, and destiny that he has for you, or you can go back to the gods of your past. And when you were in Egypt, you were slaves and in slavery. So you can go back to the things and the ways and the patterns that locked you down and kept you in slavery. Or you can take a look around right now, which for us, if we were to transliterate this into where we are right now, would say, just look around you and see that the gods and the idols of our society, though they're not statues, they're ideologies. 
you can worship those things and put those things first before God. But guess what? Those Amorites were a conquered people. If we put our trust in the ideologies and the idols of today, we will live conquered. So you can go back to where you were, where you got free from, and you'll be trapped in slavery if you put those things first. You can worship the gods and the idols and the ideologies of today. And you can be a conquered person who feels trapped and stuck. Or you can set your eyes on Jesus and follow him into the future one step at a time. So in uh, Joshua 24, it says, serve the Lord with your whole heart. And he worships this idea, or he mentions this idea of worship. The idea of, of worship, sometimes we, we confuse it or we conflate it with only music, right? But he, he's talking about who are you following and what direction is your life moving? And he's talking about the heart. King Solomon in the book of Proverbs says this, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So what Joshua is saying, what Solomon is saying is where your heart goes, where your love is, where your affection is, is where your life will go. Right? So when we're thinking about that concept, okay, well, I love this thing. Well, if you love that thing, you think it's valuable, you ascribe worth to it. The word worship comes from the word worth. So you're worshiping the things that you love. In Exodus 20, verse 3, he's, you know, God speaks to his people, says, Don't worship anyone before me. I'm going to come first. So he wants us to align our hearts to him because guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. It determines the direction of your life. What you worship determines the direction that you are headed in. I'm not going back to where I'm trapped. I'm not going to stay and be conquered. I'm going to follow Jesus and move ahead. As, as we've been uh, looking in the book of Joshua, I think about the beginning of the story when they move into the promised land at the very beginning. They come into this city called Jericho. They're going to conquer Jericho. And I think the season that the Israelites were in at Jericho reminds me of where we are right now. When they were going to Jericho, you got specific instructions. God says, there's to be a silence before you shout. You're going to walk around every day, the city, eight and a half acres every day, once a day, completely silent, don't say a thing. On the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. Then when I tell you, you're going to shout. When the ram's horn blows, you're going to shout. The walls are going to come down. You're just going to take over the city. You're not going to have to do anything. I feel like we're in a season right now where we feel like our voice is silence. Yeah. Maybe you feel like overall, you know, as, Christ, and as a believer, if you're a Christian, you might think, well, there's, there's no place in society for us. Maybe you're so obsessed about the mask that the mask is determining your worship because you're like, I've lost my voice, can I? But I can't sing. Listen, your worship is not contained behind a mask. It's not limited to a song. Yeah, there is a silence before a shout. What's happening right now is we're learning how to worship with our whole heart. There is a divine realignment. God did not put this in the earth, but he's going to use it for our good. And he's going to teach us what it means to follow him with our whole heart, not with part of it, with all of it. And there's a silence before a shout so that we can be prepared. You know where we are right now? We're walking around those walls. We're walking the walls right now. There's a silence before the shout. The shout comes when, when the voice of God says, okay, at this time, there's going to be such a movement of my church. There's going to be such a movement of my spirit, 
my love, my mercy, my grace is going to pour out. I'm getting my people ready in a time of silence so that when the shout comes, they're ready to let out a roar. But to let out a roar, our hearts have to be aligned, our whole heart. And Jesus picks up this thought. This is um, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter, chapter 10, he says, uh, they were trying to grill Jesus. They had some people just trying to grill him and always get him trapped. And they asked him what uh, the most... Uh, what you had to do to inherit life. And they asked him what the most important law is. And Jesus' response uh, was this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he didn't leave anything out. All your soul, heart, strength, mind. That's a lot of things. That makes up the entirety of who we are. As humans, we are created, uh, we believe that we're trichotomous. That means we're three parts, body, soul, spirit, in the same way uh, the Trinity is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that the soul and the spirit is deeply intertwined, and the only thing that can pierce between those two things is the Word of God. It's the double-edged sword. It's Jesus himself who can bring some separation. And so we're created in three parts. So he says, listen, you have to worship God, follow him with your whole heart. This idea is carried on in Matthew uh, 22. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He left out strength, but part of that is just uh, the details. Uh, in the Gospels, there are multiple people from different perspectives listening to the exact same talks, witnessing the exact same moments, and different people pick up different things. Dr. Luke was just that. He was a doctor, and so he was very detailed, and he wanted to uh, emphasize and so he wanted to make sure that we understood that it's going to take some effort. Strength is our, our human effort. So today I really want to focus in on worshiping the Lord with our whole heart, but specifically look at the area of the soul. Because this is an area that I think um, kind of gets overlooked or maybe is highly misunderstood. For the purposes of our conversation today, when you read in the Old Testament, it says heart, and read in the New Testament, soul, uh, those are approximately the same word. Uh, heart is in Hebrew, soul is in Greek, but they have the same intention. It's the seed of emotions, also consciousness. So when we're talking about soul today, we're talking about our mind, our will, and our emotions. Okay, so we're going to worship the Lord. And we're just looking at one of the one of the ways. See, I think that we're okay with worshiping with our strength and worshiping with our, with our, like, with our mind. We, we understand, like, the intellectual journey of, yes, I'm going to maybe uh, understand the goodness of God, and then I can worship Him from my knowledge. But we're, what we're not always good at is worshiping from our soul, because in our soul, there's this level, this awkward thing called emotions and feelings that we're uncomfortable about, because we're like, is this even authentic worship if I'm not feeling it? So let's take it down a personal level. If we're talking about uh, worshiping the Lord with our whole life and serving Him wholeheartedly, we're talking about following Him in every area, not any one part of our lives uh, separated from Him. So our relationships, we worship Him through our relationships. We worship Him through our finances. We worship Him at our job, in the car. I mean, though that's hard sometimes when that person, like today I was in a drive-thru and this lady literally at Tim Hortons, I just, I'm there for one coffee. The longest order in the history of Tim Hortons. And I said, Lord, I'm going to worship you with my whole heart. Yeah. 
I just need to re. Now that's not what I did. What I actually did was like, I'm like, let's go. Like how this is taking so long. I just had to recalibrate what's going on. Uh, but when we're talking about today, I want us to talk about worshiping God from our soul. And I want us to do it on the level of let's even just think of our churchianity. Okay, coming to church. We're in the beginning of reentry. Maybe you're at home. And we're going to talk about worship in the context of uh, song and a church service so that we can use it to uh, extract the principles for the rest of our lives. Okay? So when we're talking about our feelings, so I, I grew up grew up in church, went to youth group, and there was this guy in youth group. I was like probably 14, 15 at the time, uh, and he was like... He was like this guy. He went on all the missions trips. He's like 17, 18 years old. I looked up to him. He's like super Christian in my books, right? I'm like, I'm like, I want to be like this guy. He's passionate. He's fiery. And we're at a youth service and the worship's going. And I, I'm, I go to the washroom uh, and I see this guy and he's just like hanging out at the back. And I'm like, hey man, like, what are you doing? Because I'm like, like, what's happening? And he's just like totally checked out. He's like, well, you know, I'm just not like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm like, oh, he's like, and you know, I just didn't want to bring like a partial sacrifice or offering to the Lord. And I'm like, first of all, that's a lot of Christianese in like a minute and 30 seconds. I, but what he was trying to say was he wasn't feeling the vibe. He wasn't into what was going on. And so he just decided that instead of like going with it, he was just going to check out entirely because he was just going to, be his most authentic self. The truth is the moment you, uh, your worship is framed by you being your most authentic self, you are worshiping yourself, right? It's, it's this, this calibration of heart. We're just using the idea of worship in church, singing as, as an illustration for the rest of our lives. When our preferences and our emotions come first, they become our idol we bow our lives to our feelings and our emotions. Yeah. Now, that's interesting when 1 John 3.20 says that God is greater than our feelings. I like that. Right? God is greater than our feelings. God is bigger than, He is greater than, He is more than our feelings. Now, what do we do with feelings? Because I think there's a lot of people that go, well, okay, I'll come into church. If I'm not feeling it, I'm not just going to feel it. Maybe you're watching at home. You're like, I'm just, you know, the pancakes are good today. Uh, I'll just let it play in the background. I'm going to say if we're going to worship with our whole heart, we should be wholly engaged in everything that we're doing when it comes to this area of worshiping the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who gave his life for us. The truth is Jesus is worth worshiping in every moment, in every season, in every area. He's still God, and I've still got a reason to worship, even if I don't feel it, and even if the pancakes aren't good this morning. Even if I'm tired and I'm not feeling it. But that's not authentic if I start worshiping out of my lack of feeling. Uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick, talking about feelings, suggests that feelings are a checkpoint of where we are. It's a starting point. It's not the final point. So we can acknowledge our emotion. We can acknowledge where we are or where we're not. And we can go, okay but I'm now here gathered together with the people of God. I'm in my home. I'm on my couch. I'm here gathered with my family to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm in my car. I'm whatever. I might not be feeling it, but God, that's where I'm starting. 
that's where I'm starting because no matter how I'm feeling, I don't put my circumstance, my situation, or my personal emotion in front of Jesus. He's still worthy of my praise. I might be having the worst day of my life, but he's still worthy of my praise. And I don't think we actually acknowledge that scripture talks about this. Uh, Come with me, if you would, to Psalm 100. I'm just going to take a moment to flip there because obviously I did not put a marker in it. And that was my mistake, everybody. Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my, guess what it says? whole heart. I will praise his, all, his holy name, but all that I am, praise the Lord. My, may I never forget the good things he does for me. That's the New Living Translation. If you read the same thing in the New King James Version, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When we read it like that, we spin it to the positive. The other thing that's not helping us is great biblical songs that create melodies or, or uses these familiar phrases. We think that that's the intent of scripture in the moment when really it's the intent of the songwriter. So you think about like Matt Redman, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Sorry for the singing. Uh, Worship his holy name. We got positive vibes or feelings maybe towards that song. What, how this actually reads is, come on, bless the Lord, my soul. All that's within me, bless his name, bless the Lord. Come on, don't forget his benefits. If we put it in modern language, it's the writer speaking to himself saying, hey, I don't feel it right now. I don't have the vibes right now, but God is worthy of my, I'm not going to forget the good things he's done for me because I'm not feeling the vibe right now. So we don't ignore the emotion. We acknowledge the emotion. Because if we just gloss over the emotion and, and, and we go the other way, we say, you know, I'm just going to ignore it. We actually create a superficial worship experience where we're worshiping out of protocol or principle instead of worshiping out of the passion of our heart. Right? So there, that's where we can tip to becoming fake. You know, Isaiah 29 says these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So our emotions are our starting point. We acknowledge them, but we acknowledge that we set our eyes on Jesus. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher, bigger than I could ever ask, hope, imagine, or dream. That when I come into his presence, that if I focus on my feelings, I'm pulling him from the heavenly realm into the pit of where I am when really he's trying to pull me up and out into his presence. He wants to change my perspective. Praise and worship begins to change my perspective when I worship with my whole heart and I remind myself of the goodness of God. Authenticity is acknowledging where we are, acknowledging where we've been, but also acknowledging the goodness of God. So it's not glossing over the detail. I think sometimes we're actually afraid to be honest with God, which is what leads us to check out. You're like, are you calling me a liar? Yes. Me too. This is the struggle of humanity where we think that somehow our words are louder than our thoughts. (laughs) He knows everything. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. You don't think he knows what you're wrestling with or what you're 
struggling with or where your pain point is. So we don't say it out loud because we think it's dishonoring, but we forget that that's what, like, we have books of the Bible filled with David, a man after God's own heart, pouring his heart out, and he would start entire chapters going, my life is the worst, or saying, why, God? I think we have to get comfortable with a prayer life that sounds more like, really? Come on. Like this, this again, where the, the truest depth of our heart is shared and exposed. Why is that important? Because when we open up in an honest and authentic fashion, we create a space and a place for Jesus to work in that spot. We already know, uh, thanks to the incredible work of Dr. Alex Corbett at UCLA, that negative emotions are powerful. In fact, nine times more powerful than positive emotions. But we also know that when you name or when you label those things, that it begins to diffuse the power. That's the incredible part about the Bible. Before we understood it in science, the Lord said, you know, confess your sin or be authentic in your prayer speaking to the Lord with your whole heart, your whole mind, every part of you acknowledging the good, the bad, and the ugly so you give him some room to work. Because otherwise, if you hold, think about this, if you hold it for yourself, if it's only about you, you're saying, God, you can't handle this. I will meaning I'm in charge, and when I'm ready, I'll release it to you. I want to encourage you. We can worship with our whole heart, which means we give Him every part of our life so that we're not being inauthentic about expressing our pain, our drama, or our success, but we're actually creating a space and a place for Him to come in. And we're saying, my circumstance or my situation does not dictate my praise. My worship, my adoration, my love, and my affection is yours. So why is this important? What I want us to understand is that our worship, whether it's through song, music, using all of our bodies, and in the next number of weeks we're going to talk about the physical expressions of worship. But before we get to the outworking of what happens, we need to work on our heart first. Right. Right before we get to, well, this is how I'm going to demonstrate what's going on in my heart. We have to actually open our heart. Before we, we, we say, okay, well, the Bible talks about clapping and singing and shouting and doing all these things. What if we could say, first, he talks about my whole heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, my soul, that my soul will sing. Let's not even talk about masks for a moment. Let's talk about my soul will sing. And declare the goodness of God. You're like, why is this important? Maybe you're far from God. You're like, I don't understand why this is important, why this is valid for my life. This is a spiritual tool that's going to help you move forward. You might feel stuck. You might feel trapped. You might feel isolated. You might feel alone. This is a spiritual tool connecting to God on a soul level. Connects you to the creator of the universe, which means metaphorically you hold the hand of the one who holds the world. So that he can lead you and guide you out of the place where you feel stuck. But first we have to acknowledge that we've got a problem and that we're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. 
that we've got pain and that we're broken or that we're really winning, but we have no satisfaction. So we worship with our whole soul. Worship first meaning we ascribe worth, value, and we love God with everything that we have. And we say, with that, I'm going to follow you. So where does Jesus fit into this? His very words demand us to love God and love people. He said, these are the greatest commandments. So he's inviting us into this journey of openness where you can be who you are are, but understand he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you who you are. That there is so much more gold inside of you that he wants to pull out, that he wants to extract through every season. And he's not inflicting these things, but he's going to use them for your good if you would invite him in. And as we move into this area of singing and responding or, or, or worshiping God through music, he's created this. He made this. You're like, I don't like that. You know, I'm not a music person. Well, here's the thing. It's not actually about you. God gave us some instructions. He said, this is how I've created a connection. I've created a way for you to connect with me, to get outside of yourself. And so maybe if you're not a music person, this is the ultimate act of surrender. I think we forget that the scripture is full of people who expressed the worst parts of their lives and the best parts, and they laid it out clearly. We don't do that. Sometimes at church, we don't want everyone to know our business. I hate to break it to you. This is supposed to be a family of faith that can walk with one another. This is supposed to be a community where this is, I'm supposed to be able to carry your burden. If, if you're so worried about showing up and only looking good, you will always feel disconnected, isolated, and alone because you won't let anyone else carry you. You know, the book of Lamentations. It's about a lament. That's the prophet Jeremiah. And for three chapters, he just waxes eloquent about like the worst, like the worst. It's called Lamentations. It's a downer of a book until he gets to chapter three, verse 21. He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Right. It's okay to be honest. Yep. The most authentic worship is when we recognize in every area of our life, in every season of our life, Jesus is still God, and I still have a reason to worship with my whole heart. So I want to encourage us this. We're going to move into a song. As we do that, it doesn't matter if you're watching and you're sitting on the couch, if you're in the car, how can you change your posture, maybe of your body, but maybe of your heart, of your mind, of your soul, to say, Jesus, in these next moments, I'm going to connect with you on a level that I'm I haven't. I'm going to connect with you on an honest level. And I'm even going to say I'm not feeling it, but that's a settle. I'm not going to settle there. I'm not going to just say I'm, I'm fine being stuck right here. No, I'm going to draw near to you. You're going to draw near to me and you're going to pull me up and you're going to pull me out. It starts with the most authentic moment saying, Jesus, I want to meet you in this moment. And he wants to meet you right here. Well, hey there, it's me, Josh, and we're back with Pastor DeAndre. DeAndre, what an awesome message from Pastor So Brad. true, it's so true. Like, everything starts with this authentic authenticity when we come in this worship. 
God like that. He's so true. What a great message. And hey, again, if you are new, we would love to hear your story. Text 587-400-2010. We would love to connect with you and hear your story. That's right. And you can go to scatteredsaints.ca for more info. See you guys next week.